0: had a couple of questions. Uh, first one from Fiaz Rasul. Fiaz, thank you very much uh, for always uh, engaging and asking questions. Uh, and his question is, what are the key factors you consider when evaluating a, a potential property investment? And linked with that, uh, he's asking what are the key considerations you take into account when analysing the potential cash flow and return on investment of a property deal? Uh, so thank you for those two questions, Fiaz, and I hope you're keeping well. I mainly focus on buying commercial property and converting it uh, into flats and apartments. I'm also uh, at the moment uh, doing a new build where uh, we're building uh, 49 houses in Lincolnshire. uh, And that uh, is uh, a slightly different type of project to what we normally do. But I'll I'll focus the question, if I may, if you ask, on commercial conversions because there are different property strategies and uh, if you've been listening to different episodes, uh, we've covered quite a few of those and there are maybe one or two left which Kiran and I will cover. Uh, but in terms of commercial conversions, what I'm first of all looking at obviously is the purchase price. Uh, because I think if, if you buy wrong or you pay too much for a property, uh, then you're on the back foot and then you're going to try and make up for it uh, and it's going to be difficult. Uh, in saying that, uh, I think it's really important, for us that if you're paying a lot for a property or you're overpaying for it, uh, and it's in an area of demand, then I can tell you if you overpay for it, you're not going to lose out. Because where there's a, a huge amount of demand, okay, the price is going to be higher and there'll be more competition. But generally speaking, uh, there'll always be demand in that area for those type of properties. Uh, so I'm not are worse or uh, afraid of uh, overpaying for a property, but generally speaking, I think it's the, it's the accountant in me. Uh, if I'm being frank, uh, in the sense that the accountant in me always says, Find a deal, uh, that, and I guess I'm always looking for a really good deal. But sometimes I have paid more for a property than I ought to, uh, and in the long run, it served me well. Other uh, occasions, I've tried to negotiate and bought something uh, which pretty much is a lemon. And if you don't know what a lemon is, just look online in terms of when people are buying cars, uh, what happens when they buy a lemon. Uh, But so first of all, I'll look at the purchase price. Uh, Then I will will, uh, do my own calculations in terms of the build cost. Uh, So, and if you don't have experience with that, uh, you can obviously talk to you know, people who do FIAS or talk to a quantity surveyor, they'll give you a good handle on cost and then I will look at the end value once everything's done. Again, you can kind of, you can just go on Zoopla or Rightmove and if you're, let's say, buying or creating two bedroom flats in a particular area, uh, look at the going price for those and you'll be able to quickly figure out. Uh, the value of uh, your own uh, property uh, in that particular area. And then from the end value, obviously, uh, I take off the build cost, the purchase price, all of the costs uh, that are associated. And I look at the margin. So, am I making a margin? Because if I'm not, then I'm better off buying a property that's ready made, as in already built, it's there. So, if you if it's going to cost you more to either buy land or to buy a commercial property and then uh, you're going to spend money on doing it up if all that put together is going to cost you more than buying something which is already there why would you want to go through the headache I see these people doing a lot PRs uh, when they buy something they spend money on it and sometimes things get out of hand by the way but sometimes they end up And it's a combination There's never one thing So there's quite a few Moving parts Sometimes they'll end up Paying a bit too much for it Then they'll end up Taking too long To fix it Improve it Refurbish it Develop it Then they'll uh, Spend Too much money on it Because things get out of hand And whether it's inflation Or other things uh, Into play Okay So that Cost them Then they'll have Let's say Bank funding Or funding from elsewhere So every day and week and month, the interest is accruing. So All of those put together uh, mean that they've spent too much money on that particular project uh, and they could have bought something similar for a lot less. So why, have, why go through all that pain and the blood and sweat and toil and tears uh, when you could have got something ready-made? Yeah, there's a whole a debate in here, an argument about obviously learning. Uh, And that's fine too, by the way, Uh, but if you're learning, then that's very different to looking to make some kind of a marginal gain. And if you want to learn stuff, then you have got to cut your teeth on something smaller, uh, as opposed to doing something bigger, if that makes sense. Uh, So once I've done that and I've looked at the margin, then I'm looking at rental income. So if I keep these uh, properties, once I've developed them, uh, usually flats and apartments, What's the rental income and what's the monthly cash flow and the profit I'm looking to make? And I think a lot of people, when they new, make this mistake about thinking about capital appreciation. Oh, this property, okay, was flats in this particular area 15 years ago, let's say were 50,000 pounds. Today, they're 100,000 pounds. So in the next 10, 15 years' time, they're going to be 150,000 pounds or whatever. I'm going to make my money then. Well, you've tied up some of your money in that property, so you ought to look at getting some kind of a return and not just focusing on capital appreciation, that's just a bonus. So I would look at the uh, positive cash flow for us, And then I look at return on my capital employed, what kind of a return am I getting on the money that I've invested. Very importantly, when I'm looking to buy property, I look at how can I add value. Uh, Because when you're adding value to the property, that's when you're making the real big gain. And linked with that, uh, also, when you're looking to buy properties, you want to spend a lot of time researching and try and buy properties which are below market value. Because what you'll find is that different people sell for different reasons. Uh, And some people have a bigger motivation to sell than others. So just two or three examples. Let's say a property is in probate, uh, because somebody's parents or a parent has passed away, the second parents passed away uh, and then they get the property and they're not keen on looking after the property, they don't want to keep it, they want to sell it, they're more motivated to sell that property than somebody who either lives in a property and is looking to sell it or somebody who just wants to sell, sell a property because they're looking to do something else. Secondly, a couple could be going through a divorce for example, so they'll be more motivated to sell. Thirdly, there could be let's say some siblings who own a property together and they're looking to sell or they've fallen out. Fourth, people are looking to emigrate uh, and move to uh, a different country or a different area or they're moving jobs uh, into uh, a different area. So they're looking to sell. So these are some of the reasons uh, why people might be looking to sell quickly. So they're more likely to do a deal. Another one could be that they've not been able to keep up their mortgage repayments, and the house might uh, be on the brink of being repossessed. So they just want to quickly sell. So you've got to find that reason for why somebody is looking to sell, uh, and then I'm not saying you take advantage of uh, them uh, at all, but you work out, okay, what it's worth for you to buy that property quickly, because when somebody's selling to you below market value, they want the money quickly. Now, if you're going to stamp up that money in a week, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, which is quicker than most people, by the way, uh, then for going that extra mile and that headache and raising that then those funds, which might cost you more, by the way, uh, if you haven't got them uh, available in your bank account, which most people don't, or you're going to have to borrow them from family, friends, elsewhere, then for doing that extra work, you ought to get a better deal. So below market value and adding value at the end, those two. Uh, help you have a bigger and better gain. Then I also look at uh, the money that I've I've invested at the start. Okay, what's my real return on investment? Because if I've invested, let's say, £50,000, and that money stays in a project uh, over 18 months, that return is going to be different. If if I'm, let's say, I've got a 15% return, uh, that 15% is going to be different to if I've left... I get a 15% return on the 50,000 pounds over a longer period of time. So looking at, I'm looking at my real uh, rate of return. Uh, but with all of that, what I really look at uh, is, once once I've done a property uh, project, am I going to get all of my money back at the end? Uh, so if you're looking to refinance or sell, you want to make sure that there's, there's a, a margin there so you make a profit. If you're looking to just simply refinance or remortgage, Then you're just working out, or you're starting from the end and working backwards and making sure that when the the project's done, uh, that when you refinance up to 75%, you get all your money back. So as an example, uh, you bought a property for £100,000, you spent £100,000 doing it up uh, and let's say the cost involved of £100,000, so altogether it cost you £300,000 in total. Uh, now, if that property is worth £400,000, you can then refinance it up to 75% as a buy-to-let and 75% of uh, 400000 gives you the £300,000. So you get all your money back, including whatever you've invested. Now you're sat on that property for free. Yes, you've got monthly repayments to make, but that's going to be covered by your rental income and your cash flow. And that should leave you something at uh, as... Uh, disposable income or or profit at the end of every single month now of course if you're not comfortable with paying interest uh, then you either need to sell those properties or have other parties who who, who, go share some of those costs with you or invest with you at the end uh, and then they get a share of the profits Uh, and that's something obviously which is going to be personal to you and you need to think about that but those are the things that I look at so below market value can I add value uh, am I going to do the, be able to do the job in a streamlined way and at the end, can I get all my money back? Those are my indicators. Are a lot of different people have different indicators by the way, if you ask. so I hope you found that useful. Uh, Faisal Asalaamu Alaikum, thank you very much for participating and listening as you always do. Uh, and your question is, do I keep a written journal summary for each day? Uh, and I hope you won't be surprised to hear uh, that the answer is yes. Uh, so, there's different types of journals uh, you can get. You can just buy them online. Uh, and I keep one which helps me do three or four different things. Before I go home every night, I write on there the things that I've achieved, the things that I'm grateful for, uh, anything that I did which uh, I can learn from. Uh, and then I map out the key. Tasks for the next day. I only ever put three things on there. First, on some of the journals, you can put more than three. I put three on there, uh, so that when I go to bed, I can just kind of think about what I need to do tomorrow. The next day, I'll wake up uh, and have those three tasks, and I'll, I'll focus on those first before I do anything else. Uh, and that helps me get things done. Now, some of those things might change, by the way, uh, and you might have the three things you want to do and then you get into work and a, a work colleague or says something to you in terms of something important and urgent or somebody calls you or emails you uh, and uh, you need to do put something as, as a priority and that's okay. It's your uh, activity and your tasks. You do them as you see fit. Uh, but more than, than not, if you want to totally focus on those, then it's better not to obviously take phone calls. Uh, or uh, open your emails before you do those tasks. Uh, obviously, avoiding colleagues, especially if you're working in an office, isn't easy, but you can always say, um, the, the first hour, hour and a half, two hours, however long it takes you, just book that out and say, I'm not available. But, but I found this whole process very, very helpful. And initially, when people shared it with me, I think, uh oh, what's the point of spending five, 10, 15 minutes writing stuff down? What's it going to do for me? You know, I can do that, spend that time watching something else, listening to an audiobook, whatever else. Uh, this just seems arduous and hard work, and, you know, I can't see the benefit. But once you do it over a sustained period, I don't mean years, by the way, I'm talking about days, weeks, and months, you're going to see it helps you gain clarity. It helps you to really see the progress you've made, because we all forget, you know, to some extent, where we started from uh, and the journey that we've taken. And how well we've all done! No matter who you are, what you're doing, everybody has achieved something worthy of attention, notice, to be proud of. Uh, and sometimes we forget that. So looking back through that journal of so and sometimes when when they're going tough and things aren't working your way, and you're beating yourself up, uh, or somebody's giving you some critical feedback, i we talked about in, in the first half of the show, um, you just open that up, look at all the things that you're grateful for which you've listed on there. And that's going to cheer you up because sometimes you need that. Sometimes you don't want to talk to somebody else about your situation. So you, you've just got yourself. And that's when that helps you. Other times you think, you know, you're, you're feeling down, you haven't got the confidence, or you're feeling lazy, you think, I can't get stuff down. You just go through one of those kind of peak and trough moments. Okay, and definitely isn't a peak because you, you're uh, feeling down. And you look at that thing. But look over the last week, month, three months, longer period of the things that I've achieved and I've done, and I can do this too. So the journal not only helps you to plan your day forward, to be grateful, to be thankful, uh, and to learn from uh, whatever you've done in that day, but it also helps you to lift you up, to gain confidence, to share with other people things that you've done, which have worked well for you. So I think keeping uh, a daily journal. Uh, is really, really useful. And you can break it down to whatever you want. You could just have a, a book where you just write down things which you're grateful for or things that you've done or lessons you've learned or just you know go online or buy a book of quotes or whatever and write down a quote, okay? And think, how can I implement this today in my life? Uh, or if you follow a particular faith here, obviously, we've got uh, on Salaam Radio, uh Quite a, obviously, most of the listeners—not all, but a majority of, of the listeners—are are Muslim. Uh, so, you in the morning or, or at whatever point, uh, once you've uh, prayed your namaz, your salah, uh, if you want to read uh, hadith or the Quran, then you can say, "What can I implement from this today?" If you follow a different faith, then you can obviously uh, read that holy book. And if you don't follow any faiths whatsoever, then do something else, which you take inspiration from. Maybe you've got somebody who you look up to, or you've got a personal philosophy uh, that you follow. But uh, keeping a journal festival, I think, is a very good idea. I think uh, it's going to help you knowing you as I do. Another question from uh, Faisal, I think, uh, sorry, Fias. And Fias says, What is your exit strategy for property investments? and how do you decide when to sell or diver, divest from a property exit strategy strategies uh, a good one uh, fiaz and again it's different for different people uh, my one generally speaking uh, is i'm a, a bit of a holder so i I want to try and keep hold of as much as i can and then at some point and this is a point that i'm going through right now by the way for some of my uh, properties, is I'm thinking, am I getting the best return possible? Uh, and if the answer is no, which it is sometimes, by the way, because I've been in this for quite a while and I didn't, I don't, what I know today isn't what I knew 10 or 12 years ago. So some of those things that I bought probably weren't good investments looking back now. Uh, but uh, hindsight's a wonderful thing. So then I'll I think about, okay, if I sell those, what are the tax consequences uh, once I've paid up the tax? How, how much have I got left? And can I make that money work harder for me uh, uh, and in a much better way? So my generally my exit strategy is to hold on to things uh, and at some point in, in the future obviously uh, to then pass those on to the next generation alongside doing some of the things which I won't talk about today but I might talk about uh, some of the point points in terms of Legacy planning and, and helping others and you know, doing good for uh, something that you believe in, uh, whether it's for the local community or elsewhere. Uh, and uh, so, and in terms of your the second part of and By the way, some people have a strategy where they just sell all the time. They look at again. So generally speaking, these are people who flip property or who, or who do bigger deals, and they just want to make their profit uh, and then move on to next deal. And I guess it, it just depends on what you think works best for you. Uh, in terms of uh, when I, uh, the second part of your question is, how do I decide when to sell or divest? Selling, like I said to you, isn't something that I do. I, I only do it every now and then when I think, can I get a better return elsewhere on my capital? Uh, in terms of divesting from property, uh, what I generally do is I divest Within properties, I look at different strategies uh, and then kind of put my money into one or two or three different strategies. Generally speaking, I've got what what is reasonably well-known in the world of property, a 70, 20, 10. So 70% of my uh, money or time, effort, enthusiasm, energy goes into one particular strategy, 20% into the next one, 10% into the one after. Other than that, uh, in terms of investment, uh, I focus quite a bit on different types of businesses, so I've got three or four different businesses for us uh, that I I focus on. Uh, More recently, uh, back end of last year, uh, I established something in Pakistan. I'm going to share this, by the way, because you've asked the question uh, in in Pakistan, so I'm kind of focusing there and I'm also looking at at, uh, property there, so uh, I'll hopefully share with you some of the things that are happening over there which we can implement in in the UK because these things are transferable uh which will help so i've got that there then i've also got some stuff uh uh, in the stock market because that helps me diversify last week if you listen to the show we had kevin Whelan, uh who's an uh an economist and advises people on finances he was talking about gold bullion that's something that i've been interested in so uh, i look at that Uh, so those are the things that i'm uh, investing or sometimes divesting in, but the majority of my investments tend to be in business and in the world of property. Now, focusing on uh, for the time that we have left, and obviously, thank you very much to the people who asked questions today, as always. Uh, I'll be we're looking at what actionable steps as a beginner need to take. Uh, So I'm going to talk you through these and you can make a note or listen back to the show and then obviously delve deeper into these. Number one is if you're interested in property uh, and as obvious as it may sound, I'm going to be captain obvious today, is you need to learn about property and property investing. And there's plenty of resources out there for you to learn. The second thing you ought to do is then you need to research the different investment strategies when it comes into property. We've shared quite a few of those on different episodes, but there's, again, a lot of information out there. The third bit uh, is research on different investment locations. Uh, So this could be in your local area. It could be further apart. I know certain people who only invest uh, within a five mile radius, I know people who do a 30 mile radius. I personally do a 60 mile radius, so that kind of becomes my gold mine area where I'm looking to invest. And I know people who go from all the way from down from, say, Cornwall, all the way up to Edinburgh and further afield. So it just depends on what you're comfortable with. But look at different locations and see which one takes your fancy for different reasons. Then come up with an investment plan in terms of what you're looking to do, how much cash you need, the type of projects you want, how long they're going to take. And this doesn't need to be any you know, uh, fancy work of art, it's just something to give you direction uh, and something that that you can share with other people when you're looking for people to invest in your project. Number six, you want to secure funding and financing, again, depending on your uh, personal uh, philosophy and belief, uh, how are you going to get the money, where's it going to come from, Uh, How much of the the share of your property dealer are you willing to give somebody else to get money from them? Is it bank funding? Is it crowdfunding? Is it peer-to-peer? You need to think about these things. Number seven, seven, then obviously, you buy the property and number eight and nine are either you uh, spend money on the property, fix it up and sell it or you keep it and you calculate the earnings uh, and then you can refinance or uh, sell a share to another party, and then uh, print and repeat. So those are uh, your short steps for uh, looking and getting into the world of property. Thanks for listening to Wealth Made Simple. You can follow and contact Shaz on the Facebook pages, Entrust Property Tax and The Profits Wizard. You can also find Shaz on LinkedIn, YouTube, and Instagram. Alternatively, email him at shaz at aa-accountants.co.uk. Build your wealth by mastering money.